Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this opportunity to study the sanctuary for the next several weeks. We pray that you'd bless us in our study. You've told us your way, O God, is in the sanctuary. So we ask for the Holy Spirit to guide our thoughts and our minds this morning. Speak to us, we pray, for we ask these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. If you could ask God for anything, what would you ask Him for? New car, new house, health perhaps, wisdom? Well, David indicates what he would ask of God, and this is actually Psalms 27.4, not Psalms 24.4. Psalms 27.4, this is what David's request to God would be. He says, one thing I have desired of the Lord, and that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. In your bulletin, you should have a study guide, which is a, an outline with the key text from today's study. And there it is, Psalms 27.4. David says, if I can have one thing that I asked of God, it would be to live in God's house. To actually live in God's house, not be a neighbor, but to live in God's house. And he says, all the days of my life, not just for a few months or days, but my whole life. I want to live in God's house. And that's my one request I wish I could have of God. If I could ask God for anything, it'd be to live in God's house. What would David do there? He says, first, I would behold the beauty of the Lord. God is beautiful. We're talking about an actual aesthetic beauty. I praise the Lord that it's not just about left brain analysis. Amen? And we need that. But there's an aesthetic beauty that comes from the inner beauty of who God is. And David says, I want to live in your house forever that I can look at your beauty. I want to behold the beauty of God. God is beautiful. And the other thing is to inquire in His temple. I was reading about Warren Buffett, and he has this charity that takes place every year where people bid to have lunch with Warren Buffett. And these couple individuals won, and they had the opportunity to have lunch with Warren Buffett for $600,000. $600,000 to have lunch with Warren Buffett, and they asked afterwards, these two individuals, was it worth it? And they said it was worth every penny of that half a million dollars. Well, evidently having to ask Warren Buffett anything is worth a lot of money to some people, but can you imagine having lunch with God in his house? What would you ask him if you can ask him of anything? And this word here for inquire indicates that this is an intellectual inquiry. It's the search after truth. So found in God's house is beauty and truth. Praise his name. And David says, I want to live in God's house. Well, what does God's house look like? 
The Bible indicates that God's house is synonymous with his temple, and we have a scene in Revelation chapter 11, verse 19. We have a picture of what God's house is like, the temple. The temple of God was opened in where? In heaven. There is a temple in heaven. John saw it. He says the temple of God was opened in heaven, and the ark of his covenant was seen in his temple. Another article of furniture in God's house, in God's temple, and from the throne preceded lightnings, thunderings, and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne. Another piece of furniture in God's house. You have the Ark of the Covenant. You have the lampstand. This article of furniture is seen in God's house in heaven. And then you have Revelation chapter 8, verse 3. He was given much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar, which is before his throne. So this is another piece of furniture in God's house. You have the lampstand, and then you have this altar of incense that John saw in vision in God's house. Now, Moses was given the blueprint to what God's house looked like, and you find it in Exodus chapter 25, verse 8. God told Moses, make this tabernacle and all its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you. There were very specific aspects of the earthly tabernacle that Moses was to build, and it was to be specifically according to God's blueprint. And God told him that this was to be after the pattern. Now, what was it patterned after? Notice it's not just the tabernacle. It's all of the furniture inside the tabernacle as well. And you see Paul in Hebrews chapter 8, verses 1 through 5. He says, now, the main point of what we are saying is this. We do have a high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, of the majesty, where does it say? In heaven, in heaven, who serves in the sanctuary and the true tabernacle set up by the Lord, not by a mere human being. Every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices, and so it was necessary for this one also to have something to offer. They serve as a sanctuary that is a copy and shadow of what is in heaven. This is why Moses was warned when he was about to build the tabernacle, see that you do it according to everything, according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. So God told Moses to build a tabernacle, and this tabernacle was to be a copy or a shadow of a heavenly tabernacle. So one way that you can get a picture of what God's house looks like is to look at the Old Testament sanctuary. And I have it there in your study guide. I also have it there on the screen. This is the model that was given to Moses, and he was to design it specifically as God commanded, specifically according to the dimensions that God gave, and said, look, this is a replica of what is in heaven. So there it is. On the screen, you have on your left 
the Ark of the Covenant, which John saw in heaven. Ark of the Covenant, inside the Ark the, was the law of God, Aaron's rod, which budded, and, and manna. They were placed inside the Ark. Here you have the angels that are hovering above the Shekinah glory. And this represented the throne room of God. And this compartment is known as the most holy place. Here you have another compartment, and it is the holy place. There you have the golden candlestick. Now, remember when we just read in the book of Revelation, you saw what in heaven? You saw the golden candlesticks before the throne of God. You also have the altar of incense, which we also saw in Revelation before the throne room of God as well. And then there is the table of showbread. Outside in the courtyard, you have the laver, and then you have the brazen altar there. And this gives us a model of what God's house, his tabernacle, his sanctuary look like. Now, a question that people have asked is, did the sanctuary exist before sin? And what was its purpose? We often look at the sanctuary as being instituted at the time of Moses, but when you look at the Bible, you will see that the sanctuary pre-existed even the inception of sin. How do we know that? We read about Lucifer in Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 14. The Bible says, you were the anointed cherub who covers. I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. Lucifer stood right next to God. He was the covering angel that covered the Shekinah glory of God. No one knew God more as a created being than Lucifer. And it was from this place that sin was conceived in Lucifer's heart. I, I wonder what it must have been in the presence of God to be Lucifer to be one of the covering cherubs. That, that was Lucifer's position. He was the highest among all the angels, and the Bible says that he was the covering cherub. This is the throne room of God, and this is indicated from the Ark of the Covenant. That represents the throne room of God, and notice what the Bible says about the mountain. In Isaiah chapter 14, verse 13, another passage that talks about Lucifer, it says, I will, I will sit enthroned on the mount of the assembly. So God's sanctuary, God's house, was a place where his created beings would assemble. Also, the Bible indicates in Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 13, the workmanship of your timbrels and pipes. According to Richard Davidson, the timbrels and pipes remind us of the music of the sanctuary. According to 2 Samuel 6, verse 5, 1 Chronicles 13, verse 8, and Psalms 81, verse 2, the sanctuary of God before sin was a place of worship, doxology. Scholars believe, and the biblical evidence supports this idea, that the house of God, the sanctuary of God, the throne of God, was a place of praise and worship prior to the inception of sin. It was also the command center of the universe and the home of God. Richard Davidson says that it's kind of like the White House. The White House is the command center 
of the president, but it's also his home. It's, it's his home. So this is God's house. Before sin, it was the place where the angels came to worship God, the command center of the universe, and after sin, the command center of the universe, the sanctuary, was given additional responsibilities and actions, the plan of salvation. In addition to praise, the command center of the universe, the plan of salvation, the saving of you and me was incorporated into the function of the sanctuary. Is the plan of salvation important to God? Is your salvation important to Him? It's so important that He said, look, I'm going to bring this to my house. I'm going to make saving each one of us my highest priority. The sanctuary served the purpose of doxology, of praise, the command center of the universe, and also the plan of salvation. Going back to Psalm 27, remember David said, if I could have one thing, I want to live in God's house because I want to see the beauty of God and I want to inquire of Him. Psalm 27 is structured in a chiastic structure, which means it has a high point. And the high point of Psalm 27 is verse 8. Verse 8 says, When you said, Seek my face, my heart said to you, Your heart, your face, Lord, I will seek. God says, I want you to seek my face. That is the message of the sanctuary, to seek the face of God. And in the book of Genesis, the Bible indicates that every day God would come down and he would walk in the cool of the garden and have a face-to-face conversation with Adam and Eve. What must that have been like? I mean, we're talking about like eyeball to eyeball, you know, face-to-face conversation with God. We don't have the privilege of that today. We do it by faith through prayer, but to have a face-to-face encounter with God every single day, they would have this conversation, this dialogue with God. That must have been a transformative conversation. Every day would be a, a new experience, new enlightenment, new illumination, and That was their privilege, Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. That changed very quickly. You look at it in Exodus chapter 33, verse 20 in your study guide, and Moses, who the Bible says was a righteous man, is having a conversation with God, and he says, look, I want to see your face. I want to see your glory. And notice what God says in Exodus chapter 33, verse 20. But he said, you cannot see my face for no one may see me and live. Now here Moses is asking to see the face of God, a righteous man, and God says, you can't see my face. You won't be able to live after you see my face. Now what has happened here? What has changed? And we get a clue in 1 Samuel chapter 6, verse 20, And the people of Beth Shemesh asked, who can stand in the presence of this holy God? To whom will the ark 
go up from here. This is the story of the Ark of the Covenant. It was stolen by the Philistines, and this Ark makes its way to the people of Beshemish. And you remember the story. There was a covering over the Ark, and what did they do? They uncovered the Ark, and many people died. And notice what the people said. Who can stand in the presence of this holy God? What has changed since Eden? Has God changed? No. We have changed. We have changed. And because of sin, we are not able to stand in God's presence. We're no longer able to have a face-to-face -face encounter with God anymore because we are sinful. We are unholy, and that face-to-face -face encounter would destroy us. Not because God wants to destroy us, but because His holiness we are not able to bear. When you look in your study guides, you will see in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, the Bible indicates without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Holiness is the condition to be able to see God. Holiness is the condition to being able to have a face-to-face -face encounter with God. Now, you're thinking, like me, at this point, uh, I'm anything but holy. This is overwhelming. When you think about the condition to have a face-to-face -face encounter with God, remember, God's all about relationship. He wants to have that face-to-face -face encounter with God. He wants us to live in His house. He wants us to have that communion with Him, but He can't because of sin, and the only way that we can have this encounter with God is holiness. And I praise the Lord for Exodus chapter 31, verse 13, where God says, I am the Lord who, who does what? Who makes you holy. Praise His name. Uh, we, we can't fabricate our own holiness. God says, look, I'm God, and I'm the one who is going to make you holy. Here is the theme of the sanctuary, and I have the sanctuary here on the screen. Adam and Eve, in Edenic perfection, were here. They were able to have that face-to-face -face encounter with God. Because of sin, the entire human race, we ended up out here. And what God wants to do is bring us back. That's the story of the sanctuary. Eden lost, Eden restored. It's so easy that a child can understand it. And when I first studied the sanctuary, it was overwhelming. All these colors and symbols, and I'm just like, oh, well, this is like, but, but God put it down into kindergarten form. He said, look, I want to have this relationship with you. I want to have that face-to-face -face communion with you. I want to look at you eyeball to eyeball again, but I can't. There's this thing called sin. But I want to bring you back. Holiness is the condition, and I will make you holy. I'll bring you all the way back. And God says, look, just follow me. I will bring you all the way back to the throne of God so that we can have that face-to-face -face encounter again. Amen? 
So Eden lost, Eden restored, and the message of the sanctuary is so simple. It's all the way through scripture. God brings us into the courtyard. He brings us into the holy place, and in the final stage, he'll bring us to the most holy place where we'll be able to see God face to face. The sanctuary is all about relationship. God bringing us back by his grace to that face-to-face encounter with him. When you look in Revelation chapter 22, verse 5, this is when everything is restored. I was thinking the other day, every now and then I have these weird epiphany moments. And I was thinking to myself, why am I David Shin? Not that I was regretting who I am, but I was wondering, like, why is it that I'm looking out of these eyes and experiencing life in this body at this time in Earth's history? Have you ever wondered that? And you have this sea of humanity that has gone before and after, and you're just this blip on the map in this in this grand story. I mean, none of us asked to be born. We're just kind of thrown into this thing. And in our own individual story is this great meta-narrative that we are living in between Eden lost, Eden restored. And we have this unique opportunity to choose to be in God's process. Look at this in Revelation chapter 22, verse 5. They will see his what? His face. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. The Bible tells us that God will be successful. Amen? He will bring us all the way back to that face-to-face encounter with God. He will be successful. We have the option, being born into this world, to choose to allow God to fulfill His process. And the story is found in the sanctuary, how God will bring us back. Won't it be wonderful to see Jesus face to face, to see God face to face? God says, look, I'm going to be able to do this if you trust me. I'm going to be able to bring you all the way back so that we can have that face-to-face encounter, that face-to-face conversation again. I've often wondered to myself, like, if Jesus were to walk in through the back door. You ever wonder that? Let's say right now he walks in through the back door. What would your response be like? Would it be like, hi, I know you. I remember one time I opened the door of the bathrooms, and there was Doug Batchelor. I've seen him on television, but I didn't know him. And it was the most awkward thing. I was like, oh, I just, oh, I, I didn't know what to say. I didn't say, and I just walked in. It was like I knew about him, but I didn't know him. Is it going to be like that with Jesus? Well, praise the Lord. One day we're going to see him face to face, and we have the opportunity to build that relationship with him now. We will see his face. In his name, his character, 
will be on our foreheads. He will have accomplished his work of recreating in us the image of God. And look at this in Revelation chapter 21, verse 3. Behold, the tabernacle of God. What's that? His house is where? Is with men, and he will dwell with them. Remember David said, if I had one wish, I want to dwell in your house, in your home, all the days of my life. Well, this will become true. Praise God. It says, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. The new Jerusalem is God's house. And he will dwell with them and they shall be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. Now remember in Revelation, the Bible says that he looked in the temple, in, in, the, in the New Jerusalem and there was no temple inside. There is no temple inside and when you measure the sanctuary, there's only one compartment that is a perfect square. That is the most holy place. The New Jerusalem is a perfect square. In other words, the reason why John did not see a temple inside the New Jerusalem is because New Jerusalem is the temple. It is the most holy place. It is God's home. And God says, in the end, I'm going to make the command center of the universe earth. And I'm going to place my throne the most holy place on planet earth and you will live in my house forever amen Amen. do you want to be in god's house remember in john chapter 14 he says in my father's what house are many mansions there is room for you in god's house and the story that we are living today in our own personal lives is God is drawing you through the sanctuary process to that face-to-face relationship with Him. Let's allow Him to draw us, amen? He's drawing you today. Let's bow our heads, every head bowed, eyes closed. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that you are drawing us to your house to live with you forever and Lord I know that there is someone here today that is feeling convicted and your Holy Spirit is speaking to their heart and there is something that is keeping them from Jesus something that is keeping them from that face-to-face encounter with God today. And Father, you are asking them to surrender this area of their life to Jesus. Every head bowed and eye closed, eyes closed. If, if there's someone here that wants to say, Lord, I don't have the power to surrender, but help me to surrender. Help me willing to be made willing to surrender this area of my life to Jesus so that we can have that face-to-face encounter. I want to invite you to raise your hand today. Say, Lord, I surrender. All to Jesus I surrender. Father, you see these hands. All you need is our consent. We thank you that you've heard our prayers this morning. Draw us through the message of the sanctuary. For it is the message of God's yearning for relationship 
in communion with us. We pray these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.